Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope life is treating you good. Hope you're having a great day. Appreciate you listening today. Hey, today we've got a great guest for you here in episode 25. We are a quarter of the way to a century mark. Today we're talking with my buddy Arel Moody, who's a, uh, a speaker and just a good dude. Arel and I actually met almost a decade ago when we first started speaking. We've, we've crossed paths a lot over the years, uh, spoke at several events together. And so in this episode, he shares a lot of specific strategies, strategery things that he has done that has really worked for him and how he's built and grown his business. Uh, one of the other things also is that Arel hosts a podcast called The Art of Likeability. And so we spend some time chatting about that as well and the importance of being likable as a speaker. And so how do you build that that some of that likability into what it is that you're doing and building those uh, that rapport and that connection with audiences as well as decision makers. So a great episode for you today. Excited for it. Let's get right into it. Here's my chit chat and my conversation with my buddy Arel Moody. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, I'm joined by my beautiful buddy, Arel Moody, who's a, uh, a speaker, author, entrepreneur, all-around good dude. What's up, Arel? How are you, man? What's going on, GB? Happy to be here, brother. You are just listening to you just brings a smile to my face. He's the, he's the type of guy that just, uh, just puts you in a good mood. How's life treating you? Oh, man, things are going great. I am at home, just spent the last week at home, and uh, I'm looking forward to hitting the road and doing some events. And in like six days, I'll be in four different states. So really excited about it. Hitting all the time zones, it sounds like, too. I know. We yeah, were it's going to be all, all mountains, standard, Pacific. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> you ever have those days where you wake up in the hotel, and especially when you're going like from city to city to city, and you're just kind of like, all right, what time zone am I in? Where am I supposed to be right now? Ever, <laughs> you, you know, I have those moments? I haven't actually had that. I've really, because I one time, literally, this is a true story, I spoke in a town that was a border of New Mexico and Texas. And the New Mexico is in Mountain Standard Time, but Texas is the airport I flew into, which is central. Yeah. So when I drove back, I literally lost an hour that I didn't know existed. And now I'm like extra paranoid always about time zones. So I'm, every time I fly, I'm like, all right, what time zone? And I always change my watch. So I will not let that time zone crash happen ever again so very on point with it i've got uh you'll appreciate this this is actually a, a gear up school i spoke at and we're gonna get to some stuff here people hang with us just a second we're, we we gotta we're just bantering for a second i spoke at a uh, uh school in kentucky a couple years ago and it was right on the time zone line and so the hotel where i stayed was in one time zone and the school was in a different time zone <laughs> even, even though they were like 15 minutes away so like it's it's just plus or minus one hour. Like it shouldn't be that complicated. But man, I was so paranoid. Like I'm gonna be either way late or way early, and it was like so sinking stressful. It shouldn't have been that difficult. 
And that, you know, I would tell you this. I don't know if you've ever mentioned this to someone, but this is actually really crucial. When people are doing their sales calls, like when you're speaking and you're getting clients on, it's crucially important that you always confirm the time zone. You know, whenever I'm doing a sales call, I'll say, okay, I'll call you at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Because a lot of times people say, oh, okay, I'll call you at 3. But then that person's 3 may be a different time than you. Right. So it's really important. This is, there's actually a great lesson that comes from this. Always confirm time zones when you're setting meetings because you don't want to set a time that you miss and then you miss a speaking opportunity because of it. Yeah, very true. Uh, absolutely. We've known each other for, geez, what, maybe what, nine, ten years now or so? Yeah, man. That, I'm lucky. I get to know you for a decade. Going way back when. So we actually oh. crossed paths. We both got started uh, kind of in the high school market, speaking at a lot of different high schools, working with a kind of a third-party organization, doing uh, presentations for them and just trying to figure out what the heck we were doing. And thankfully, we, we learned a couple things along the way. So why don't you give us a snapshot today of what your business is like? What kind of organizations do you speak to? What kind of market? And uh, what, do, what do you talk about? Yeah, so I spent a large portion of my time in the student entrepreneurship space. For a lot of years, we had something called the Extreme Entrepreneurship Tour, where we did these half-day events teaching students about entrepreneurship. We did that for years, and we took that to a seven-figure business. So it was really successful, and we had a huge network of speakers, and it was an amazing experience. And then in 2012, I kind of I had my first child, and for any of us who had children, we kind of know how that kind of creates a um, change in your paradigm. And what I realized is I wanted to, you know, one of the things I wanted to teach my children is, you know, you have to go after your goals and your dreams, even if they don't seem like logical. And speaking to a lot of these low income first generation students, and I know you speak to a lot of these students too, was really what my passion was. So I had to make a really tough decision that even though business was going well, to exit the entrepreneurship space and go into more of the student success and the empowerment space. So that's where I decided to go in 2012, create a business called College Success Program. And it's been great. We've taken that to over half a million dollar business. And it's, it's really powerful in how we um, connect and communicate with the students who need it the most by leveraging different opportunities. And now we also have a new business called Art of Likeability, which is what my podcast is based on. So if anyone's listening wants to learn more about how to build relationships, it's a great podcast to do so. But it's more about all the skills I've learned running a business and teaching people how to have relationship skills, how to become better leaders, how to become more likable so they can use it as a tool to become more successful. And that's geared more towards businesses and associations and more of the professional world. And I want to touch on that a little bit, just a little bit here, because I think that's so important for speakers. One of the things I always talk about is that speaking is it's a relationship business and people do business with people they know, like, and trust, both with clients, both with other speakers. I mean, you and I have a good friendship today because we've, you know, we've built that relationship. We focus on that relationship. And so we'll come back and, and talk about that in a bit. But a couple of things that you mentioned there I'm curious on. So I know for a lot of speakers that are listening to this, one of the challenges that they have is there's a lot of different markets that I'm interested in, or I feel like my topic, whatever it is that I could speak about. Who should I speak to? I, I could speak to anybody. I, I want to talk to humans and people in general. But like that doesn't really work from a marketing standpoint. So you're someone who today you could speak to a bunch of different markets and it's kind of evolved. So kind of talk us through how you kind of landed on choosing to speak to students, like the even just the niche within students of who you were speaking to and then how that's evolved over time. Yeah, you know, it's really, really important when you're deciding which niche to speak to that you, one, truly, fully, deeply understand that market and two, you have credibility that what you're teaching makes sense. You know, like in the beginning of my career, like I was so excited to speak. And I don't know if you had this experience. Like you did anything. People was like, can you do money management? I'm like, of course. I read a book on money management. I do puppets and juggling and magic tricks. You, you, you know, of course. Whatever you of need. Of course. Shadow. I totally do shadow puppets, right? Like. <laughs> 
I mean, in the beginning, I kind of like if someone said, could you do this? I, you know, I said yes. But the truth is, like, I really wasn't the expert on money management. I wasn't the expert on a lot of these things that I was saying I could do. And what I found is that when I was on stage, I felt like I was just regurgitating information that I had read in a book. And it wasn't something I knew. You know, there's a difference between when someone who is like a John Maxwell who's telling you, like, you need momentum to change your life. Like, you believe it at a different level because you know John Maxwell has that experience versus that newbie speaker who's saying the exact same thing John Maxwell is saying, but it falls flat. It's because they don't have the knowledge and experience. So I think the first decision you have to make is, which audience do I understand, which do I know? And I chose students, and it was simply because a friend of mine, I'm not sure if you know him, he's a really you know popular guy, Victor Antonio, He's a speaker, and he came to speak to my college when I was a student, and I told him one day I wanted to become a speaker, and I said, yo, in 20 years, dude, watch out for me. I'm going to be just like you, and he said, well, why don't you start now because you could speak to students from a big brother position where I'm speaking to students from a father figure position. Mm -hmm. So for me, it made a lot of sense because if I spoke to high school students – I would be speaking to a group I understood. I understood high school. I understood what I did to, you know, get out and to get into college. So I first started with the groups that I knew, which were students. And then after running my businesses and networking and meeting entrepreneurs and growing a successful business, I became more knowledgeable about how to speak to businesses. I didn't want to lie to people and tell them I can show you how to, you know, like I hate these speakers who are like, I'm, I'm the millionaire maker, but they haven't made a million dollars themselves, right, right, right? right? Like it's like don't be that person because people see through it and you'll just hate yourself. Right, right. I'm curious, one of the things that you said there is speaking in markets and areas where you know you have some level of experience. So it's kind of that chicken versus the egg situation where how do I get experience if I'm, if I'm not speaking, but they're not going to hire me if I don't have experience. So can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah. You know, when I say experience, it doesn't necessarily mean you need experience speaking. You know, so for example, I have a friend who's a doctor and he has been able to take his hospital. He actually is a, a administrator in a hospital. He's been able to take his hospital and, you know, decrease sick rates and all this kind of good, positive hospital speak, right? So he hasn't really spoken outside of his internal meetings, but he knows and has information that will be helpful on how to lower sicknesses and in hospital, you know, infections and all that kind of stuff. So his experience is that he's done the thing that he's about to speak about. I'm personally against people who have not done or accomplished something, but they want to teach people from a speaking perspective how to do it. So you don't need experience speaking, but you do like if you're going to tell people about financial management, you should have your finances in order and have a system that like that works for you. If you're going to teach people about goals, setting, you should have some really great examples on how you set some really specific goals and you achieve them through a, you know, a process. So the experience comes from you being able to say the stuff you're talking about, you know it. You don't have to be an expert, right? Because literally an expert, like just to understand the expert is just someone who's like two steps ahead of the audience you're right, speaking to. Right. You don't have to be like this sage or anything. You just have to know a little. And that's why I like to speak to when I started students, because like I know as an adult way more than a high school student does. So it's easy for me to speak to them. But, you know, to speak to someone who was above me, who knew more about me at the time, like to me, I would feel disingenuine. And that's never a place you want to come from. All right. So here's, here's what I'm curious. Let me push back on this for a second, because there's, there's a lot of, of different markets that you could speak in. But there's also, I think, for a lot of people, difficulty in picking the topic that maybe that they would want to speak on. So I have, I'm interested in uh, speaking about marriage and parenting and goal setting and fitness and all these different things that like going back to the experience thing that you mentioned, I have some level of experience in these things. So how do I, you know, again, like I may not be the world's greatest expert, but I could talk about these things and it's things I like. How do I start to narrow down 
now what it is that I might want to speak about. Yeah, so there's some really specific strategies on how to figure it out, and it's a really, really great question and is worth some time. So there's two things I recommend people doing to start figuring it out. Number one, you can do um, what I call the what do you need strategy. So a lot of times when people would speak to me, they say, hey, we're looking for a speaker, or I would you know, reach out to random groups like all over the place, whether it was colleges, high schools, and they was like, hey, we're having an event. I would say, oh, hey, great. There's a few ways you know, we can do things. Tell me more about your event. What are your goals? What are you hoping to accomplish? Oh, yeah, we definitely do that. You know, so it's more of a general, you create more of a general persona. Like success, for for example, is a really great general persona. And you can say, okay, I could talk about relationships. I can talk about goal setting. I talk about leadership. And you literally develop three, you know, very different genres, if you will, but you create a title and a description for each one that you feel like here are the five things. And at first, like you have to be comfortable being all over the place and just asking people like, hey, what do you like? What's interesting to you? What are your goals? And then you'll start noticing people will gravitate towards certain topics. So like in the beginning, I was teaching public speaking. I was teaching interviewing. I was teaching financial management. I was teaching leadership skills like because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I noticed there was one or two presentations that people consistently kept asking for. It was the student success and student leadership. So I literally cut out all those other things because they, they weren't something that people were asking me for. The second thing is I really highly recommend doing this is one, asking yourself, what is the quickest, fastest way to making like financial gains from the topics I want to speak to. So let me explain that, right? So I could speak about, you know, how to build a business and I could find like, hey, I'm really good at speaking at entrepreneurs and I'm going to get entrepreneurs to, you know, teach them how to build their businesses. Now, the challenge with that particular market is you have to become the person who kind of houses the entrepreneurs or you have to find people who've already corralled these people together and you like guest speak at a conference of some sort. And that can be really difficult at first. Whereas finding an audience that already is built in, you know, so one of the things I love about the student market, for example, like high schools are built in, like the high school is a physical building, the principals, they have access, the superintendents have access to funds to provide services for these people. So if I wanted to do an event and get paid a couple of thousand dollars, it's really easy to streamline that and do that versus building an email list, getting 700 people on your email list to get 20 people to show up for an event where they may or may not pay, they may or may not buy anything from you. So a lot of times you have to ask yourself, where are you in the journey? And say, well, what's the fastest way to creating a a financial gain so I can move from doing this as a passion to doing it as a profession? Yeah, that makes total sense. And a couple things there you said that I liked is is a lot of it comes back to that kind of initial question we always talk about is, is why do you want to speak in the first place? Are you wanting to speak to get paid? Are you wanting to speak just out of the goodness of your heart, and both are fine. And I think for a lot of people listening to this, and most people want to, you know, to to speak to get paid. I mean, this is how you and I pay our bills. And the challenge and kind of that delicate balance is we a lot of people come from that place of, you know, I just want to help people, and I just want to speak out of the goodness of, of my heart. And that's cute, but like goodness of your heart's not going to pay bills this month. So finding that balance of I, I want to talk about things, but I want to talk about things that I can also generate income from is really really important. But the other thing you, you said there I liked is is like finding those existing events, you know, of, of whether it's in high schools or colleges or those existing conferences where they're already planning on hiring a speaker. You're not trying to convince some group or organization that they need to bring a speaker in. They're already planning on hiring a speaker. So you're just showing them uh, why you're, you're such a good fit. 
Yeah, it literally changes the game. When you look at, you know, whether it's an association or a conference or a leadership retreat, and they're like, we need someone, right? Right. Then you just present yourself versus doing a standalone event or trying to convince people to come. So I found a lot of success in the the first option of going there. And, you know, I, I want to touch on one thing you said because it's so important. And I see so many people hurt themselves. You know, when I work more closely with people, one of the things I always tell them is there's something called the law of duality, right? You 100% can make money and create a living for yourself and make an amazing life for yourself at the exact same time that you give back help and make a difference in people's lives. People, for some reason, have been taught that these things are mutually exclusive, and it's a lie because anyone who knows, and Grant is a great example, you can be a great human, a great family person, give back to your community, make a difference in people's lives, and make a really good living doing it. And if anyone tries to teach you otherwise, like literally they don't know what they're talking about. When people say, oh, I don't want to get paid. I just want to help people. I like to like stop them in their tracks and say, no, you should 100% figure out how to help people and get paid. And there's always, always, always a way to do that in any industry, in any work that you want to do. Yeah, totally would echo that. Let's go back to the beginning for a second here. So whenever you were getting started and you were kind of going that, you know, what do you need type of route, what, you know, I can speak on a bunch of different types of topics. How are you even finding bookings? How are you finding engagements? Are you just cold calling people? Are you emailing? Are you waiting for the phone to ring? How are you beginning to, to get some traction early on? Yeah. So early on, I mean, this is really simple. I made a decision that I wanted to speak in the student market. So what I literally did is I just went into Google and I typed in, you know, high schools and colleges within 50 miles of my zip code. Right. So you do that on Google and you'll get a nice, nice list of all of these high schools and colleges that are near you. And literally, I would just reach out to the principals or the counselors or the orientation directors or the student leadership directors at the, at the universities. And I would say, hey, I'm a local guy. I do speaking engagements all over the country. It's kind of sort of true. You know, I did it in a different state once. <laughs> so I owned, yeah, I did like I was in New Jersey. I live in New York. I did it in New Jersey. So it's all over the country, right? Spoke um, in Canada one time. So you're international. Yeah, I spoke in Canada. I'm totally international speaker, right? But like this is the key strategy. I want people to get this. You say, I'm a speaker. I've spoken. You know, I speak all over the country. But I really do things in my local area. And I want to do things to give back more to my local community. And I'm actually not too far from your school, I'd love to see if we can set up an event where we can, I can come in and speak. I'm just curious, do you have any events coming up in which you were looking for a speaker? And if so, you know, tell me about that. Now, I send this in an email. I don't cold call people on the phone. I, I really think cold calling is a miserable way to do like business. Some people live by it and like God bless them, but I would rather do a cold email and then see if those people respond because the people right. who respond are going to be people who care about a phone call. So then I can call them because if you, like if you're, someone's busy and then they randomly call you, you're like, you don't like someone cold calling you. So don't cold call other people. So I send this email out and you'll be surprised. Not everyone will say yes. But like if you send out 50 emails, you'll get five, maybe 10 people actually respond. And that may turn into two or three presentations. And then you just start building it from there. So that's the exact strategy I use and what I recommend people use when they're first getting started. Yeah, I was the same boat of uh, it's not overly difficult. It's not overly complicated, but it, it just takes work. It's a, it's a lot of manual labor and you're kind of uh, digging through the gold there to, or just sifting through to try to find the gold there. So was there anything that you did beyond that? Of So you're Googling, you're finding, you're emailing. W what else worked for you in terms of, of finding other engagements beyond Google? 
Yeah, so the most effective and the most powerful marketing strategy I can possibly teach anyone is you have to find what are the associations that's basically the gathering of a type of person that you want to speak to. So here's a really simple way to do this, right? So let's say you're like, okay, I want to speak at colleges and I know that orientation is a great you know, mechanism or I know Greek you know, fraternity life is something that I could speak on, right? So literally, you would just go into Google and type in association for college Greeks or college fraternities or college sororities, right? Or association for orientation directors or association for student success or association for student leadership. And then all of these associations will have websites, and every one of these uh, associations will have, like, a link or a conf- that says conferences or a link that says, like, usually conferences. I don't know any other word they would use. So there's either state conferences, regional conferences, national conferences. And then a lot of them have requests for proposals. So an easy way to find that if you want to, like, cut through the middle ground, but I recommend understanding the association before submitting a ed session because you won't get it. But, you know, you just Google, <laughs> like, what is it, uh, speaking proposal conference student leadership, right? Yep. And then all of the folks that are, you know, accepting proposals for speakers, they can literally just boom, right then and there, say, oh, I can submit. And then you submit to speak at the conference. You're not going to get the main stage in the beginning. You're going to get like a little like dingy room in the corner and maybe 15 people might show up. But those 15 people might be able to book you. Right. right. And, you know, I've had situations where I've had 50 people in the room and book 20 speaking engagements. So it's not necessarily a numbers game. It's about being able to use those numbers effectively. Yeah. And you and I have also, we, you know, we've been at those, we've done those 15 person rooms where it's just small and they, you know, they're just kind of throwing you a bone. Just to let you in. You paid your own travel. It was kind of an out-of-pocket investment. But part of what you're doing there, you're getting experience, you're getting at-bats, you're getting in front of decision-makers, which may spin off to stuff. You're also maybe connecting with the decision-maker of the entire conference. So I think you and I have both done a lot of events where maybe we go do a a free workshop one year, but maybe they pay us to do the keynote the next year. Uh, Because again, it's a relationship business. So we've built that rapport and that connection with them. Let's talk about this for a second. One thing that you've done really well is that you have built your business beyond just stay the stage. So, you know, part of the challenge of being a speaker that you and I have both run into is that it doesn't scale really well. And so you are one person in one place talking to one audience at one time. So you can't do anything more than that audience that you're speaking to. So kind of talk us through how your business has evolved beyond just the stage. What are other ways that you're generating revenue and how have some of those things kind of come to be? Absolutely. So there's a few main ways that we've kind of diversified our revenue streams. A lot of these are really simple. So it's not like I'm like I'm going to throw rocket science at you, right? Number one, we created curriculums. So we looked at what is the information that we teach and how can we create it in a way that teachers can teach it. So we have a curriculum we put together and we say, hey, this is a great, you know, five module program. And we give you the presentation PowerPoint slides and, you know, how to teach it and the examples to do. And people can go ahead and use that. We have books, you know, so I sell, uh, we have three books right now, so people can buy books and we have a lot of people do bulk orders or, you know, whenever we do a presentation and I speak, you know, one of the things I always ask is how many students are there? Would it be awesome if we can get a copy of, you know, my book for each one of the students as a follow-up? So they either buy it before I speak so I can sign them or they buy them afterwards after they have a great experience. Then when we got to a place where we had a lot of speakers, a lot of speaking requests. And I literally like, you know, that's the thing that I love about speaking. Like I can't do every single event, right? Like it's literally 
there's an abundance mindset in the speaking world. And Grant, like, and I want to clear because it's such you and I are such a great example. You've spoken at schools I've spoken at, and I've spoken at schools you've spoken at, right? Like, it's not like you own the client or I own the client. Like, there's total reciprocity for sharing. So we started having other speakers work for us on the other college guest programs. We have five other speakers that we book speaking engagements for, and take a a percentage of everything we book them. So you know, those are the main things. And then you know, because of the speaking, I get a lot of people reaching out to me and saying, oh, my God, I, you know, I want to be a speaker, too. You know, so started doing, you know, coaching and working with people more directly to help them with their goals. Those are all things that like naturally kind of evolve because of if you're doing your job well. You know, we also have T-shirts that we sell to people. So it's just looking at like what are the, the products and what are the things that people want that we're working with and just literally taking some time to create it. And it's really not as hard, believe it or not, to sell them because if someone sees you speak and they really get connected to you, they want more of your stuff. They want like, oh my gosh, you have a curriculum. That's great. So this speaking becomes like this great platform for this back-end sales or for you to say, oh my gosh, if you love me, you're going to love my friend Bert Gervais. He's incredible. Let me connect you with him for your next event. So it's a way to kind of keep people in your funnel and to provide high value too. Okay, one of the things that I liked, uh, and just I want to piggyback on what you said there, was the value of building relationships with other speakers. So, I mean, we, we were talking about it there in the context of, of an additional revenue source and referring leads to other, other speakers. But, you know, one of the things I like about the speaking industry is that, like you kind of alluded to, that you and I, we have both spoke at a lot of the same events. We've referred events and business to each other. And so even though, like, on paper you and I would be quote unquote competitors. The reality is like we, there's only, there's plenty of business to go around and no one speaker can take care of all the events. And so even if, you know, you or I go speak in an event or a conference or a school or whatever, and we do a great job, the way the market is set up is they typically won't bring us back for, you know, three, four, five years or so. So building those relationships with other speakers has been incredibly, incredibly valuable for generating new business and just learning about the market and the industry. I I mean, I, I know for me, I've definitely found that to be the case. Yeah, you know, there's there's no doubt in my mind that this is the most wonderful industry because like a laundromat, right? Like if I do my laundry at your laundromat, by default, I'm not doing it at any other laundromat, right? Right. right. But with speaking, you know, I have friends that have referred business to me. I refer business to them. So that's why when people like come to me and say, hey, can you help me to speak? I'm like, look, I'm not going to hide anything from you. Like I'm not going to – like I'm happy to help because I can't do them all. Like at, at my maximum, I did 205 days on the road. Like that was the year and it was completely unsustainable. Like Don't unsustainable. Do that. Right. And it was a great year. Like I loved it. We had a great financial year, but I was like, I can't do this every year. Like it was killer. I mean, this was before I was married or had kids. It's a little easier on the on the personal life. But the truth was even if I did as many as I could do to feel like I was happy, successful, maybe I can do 75. Like, you know, I like we like to do around 75 now. Like not because that's all we can do, but like I don't want to do more than that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's only 75 presentations. There's 6,000 colleges, like 15,000 high schools, a million businesses and associations. So, you know, if you really are someone who cares about not just making money, but making an impact, you owe it to yourself to build relationships with other speakers so that you can refer business. And when you start getting opportunities that you're just not a good fit for, be like, yo, I can't do that. Like, I'm, I don't want to lie to you, but I know who can. And then a lot of people will, will give you a, a referral fee for doing so, so you can help and make some money too. So it, it's really so important that people realize this is not a competitive space. Mm-hmm. This is truly a a complimentary space. 
let's talk about that for a second. And uh, because you, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that you, you know, you run the podcast, The Art of Likeability, which people definitely need to check out. We'll link to that in the show notes. But talk about just building those relationships and, and the, you know, the value of networking with other speakers and with clients. And you are someone who the title of your show works really, really well because you're an extremely likable, charismatic type of guy. So what are some just quick tips and, and tactics and strategies that we can gain for for becoming more likable, for networking with other people? Because this is such a relationship business, what, what are some things that we can be doing and, and being aware of? Yeah, so some really, really simple things that people can do. You know, we have like a 5S system. I don't have the time to go into all of the S's, right? But one of the S's is special. And I can't stress this enough. If you make other people feel special and you truly do it from a place of genuine caring, your likability goes through the roof. So I'll give you a simple example. Most people are eye-centered. So I only reach out to you when I need something. Like, oh, could you lend me $5? Could you help me move, you know, my, I'm moving into my new house. Could you help me move, right? That's when most people reach out. But if you're someone who creates a habit of reaching out to people just to check in and say hello, you know, there's been times I reach out to Grant, like, because I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Just checking in. How's everything going? I'm not asking for anything. I don't, I don't need anything. And I'm literally just checking in to say, I, as a human, am thinking about you as a human. Right. One of the easiest ways to do this is I create different friend lists on Facebook. So as soon as I friend request someone or as soon as I connect with someone, I immediately put them into a friend list that I feel they classify into. So it could be like speakers or aspiring speakers that want coaching or it could be entrepreneurs or other podcast people. And then um, I have a reminder set in my phone every day to say reach out to one new person and say hi. So I literally just choose a list of people. I mean, I say, okay, let me just reach out. I'll text them. If I'm really close, I might give them a call. I also do this with my clients too. So I literally have a list of all of my clients on Facebook. And every so often, I'll just go down my entire friends list of clients and touch base with them, not trying to sell them on speaking. Not like, oh, I haven't seen you in six months. You thinking about booking a new speaker? It's like, hey, Mary. And one of the reasons why I love Facebook is because I can jump onto their profile. I can see like what they've most recently posted. So I can be like, oh, Grant, I see you, you know, preparing for another marriage. Marathon, man. That's awesome. Just checking in. How's the training going? You know, are you going for a new time? And it's like literally just digging your well before you need anything. And I really believe if you throw out enough cosmic boomerangs, they'll hit you. They may not come back from the same source, but just being a good person for the sake of being a good person. And then all I'm doing is giving you a strategy on how to become a, the good person you already are. You start building these relationships and then you build kind of army of people who like you, who know you and trust you because you've cared about them. And it's one of the greatest strategies I can really give to someone. If you make other people feel special by genuinely taking the time to care about them and as simple as checking in and saying hello without asking for anything is a really powerful way to do this. Yeah. And I like, I really like that. And I like that you, it's really kind of a long-term strategy. This is not how you're going to get a booking tomorrow. This is how you're going to get a plethora of bookings years from now uh, by building those relationships, by keeping in touch with people. I mean, you and I, we've, we've crossed paths several times over the years of just getting together and just hanging out at conferences. We've both been speaking at or, or hanging out at or I know that uh, I remember speaking up in um, uh, Syracuse several years ago and you and I just going to, to dinner and hanging out just because like not that we needed one thing or something from one another it's not like man if I you know if Arel and I hang out then maybe years from now we'll get to be on each other's podcast it's like no no like, we just like, we just uh, hang out with each other and if something comes of it later great but like that's not that's not the point of it you know exactly um, and you and you want to have and I think you'd like this analogy like it's, it's a marathon mindset right sure. like you don't sprint 
You know, most people, the reason why they fail is because they, they're so desperate. I need this now. I need this now. I need to, like, I need this speaking engagement. But if you really say, yo, this is, I don't want to be a speaker just for a month. I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to build relationships and have friends for the rest of my life. If you take a marathon mindset towards it, you'll say, okay, I'm going to hang out with this person just because I genuinely care about them. I don't need anything from them. And the more you do that, and I'm also fine with, by the way, having a more, you know, being strategic with it. Like, I like to hang out with people I'm inspired by. I like to hang out with people that are doing great work, you know? So when you were coming to speak in my town, it was like, yo, let's grab some barbecue. I was like, yo, I really, I'm inspired by Grant. He does great work. I would love to be around him. So it's strategic. It's not like I'm giving my time to every single person who wants it. But if I'm around people who inspire me and maybe something comes from it, great. If not, I'm just around people that makes my life better. And the truth is, no matter how much money you have, no much money you don't have, if you have good people in your life, you have a beautiful life. Yeah. Well said. That was Elliot. You should be a speaker, dude. That was. That was I should be a motivational speaker with this stuff, man. <laughs> All right, dude. We're gonna wrap up with this. Uh, I didn't prep you for this, but uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Uh, one of the things I like to ask speakers uh, anytime we're, we're talking on the show here is tell us about a time where it can't be worse than this. So we all have those like horrible moments where it just the talk bombs, something like totally out of the ordinary happened, something uh, just totally completely went off the rails. I think sometimes there's this myth about speakers that like you just get up there and you just nail it, like. You you just open your mouth and just doves and gold fly out and it just doesn't work like that. So give us a story of a time where uh, you bombed or just like just something totally bizarre happened and it, it can't be worse than this. Oh, let me, I, got, I, I have one that stands out immediately in my head. I so I'm, would. I'm going to speak at a school. There's like 800 high school students. It's an inner city, really rough. They sit me in this auditorium with this like Casio microphone that maybe has a five-foot cord, right? So I have a five-foot tethered cord. The sound system is horrible. It's where is hot. This at? I'm not going to say where. I'm not going to say where. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's fill-in-the-blank inner city and somewhere in the state of New York, okay? okay? So I'm speaking there, and this was way, way back in the day, and you'll, you'll find this funny, right? This is when we were both speaking for that third-party organization, yep. and one of the things that they gave out as a free gift to all of the attendees was deodorant. It was a stick of deodorant, right? Because they were trying to like, I don't know, trying to get people to like brand awareness, right? There's a lot of sponsorships involved with what we were doing. Tons of sponsorships, right? So I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, so one, the principal comes up to interview me. He's like, all right, everybody settle down. And he can't get the kids to settle down. And it's like 10 minutes in and he's like, I'm not going to continue until you settle. And like the kids couldn't care less. And I was like, dude, just give me the microphone and let's rock, right? Like I'll just, I'll, I'll knock it out. So the microphone's not working. So I have to go without a microphone with 800 kids. And then one kid gets the great idea that, yo, this, this deodorant would be awesome to hit my head in a friend with. So he pegs him in the head with it. And then everyone goes, that's a really great <laughs> idea. And there becomes this deodorant fight where people are throwing deodorant at each other, ripping up workbooks and tossing them in the air like they're making it rain at the club. And I'm sitting there looking at the teachers and they're literally backs against the wall doing nothing. Like, they're like, how come you can't control the audience? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, can I get some support? Um, so it was literally just 45 minutes that, you know, in my only time in my career, I was like, I just could not wait for it to be over. Uh, and that when we were doing those presentations, we were like, we were delivering their material. So we were a bit handcuffed in what we could say. Right. Uh, so it's not like I could like go against the grain. I was like, man, right. these people need me to do this. But like literally... It was unengaging. The sound quality was horrible. And when people started throwing deodorants and hitting each other with it, I was like, 
What do I do? What do I do? I have no idea. This is horrible. horrible. We didn't. Well, they didn't tell us how to do that. Handle that in training. <laughs> All right, dude. Hey, to wrap up, where where can we find you? Got the podcast. You got a lot happening. So uh, where all can we go? Yeah. So check out Art of Like a Billion, the podcast. The good news is, I really I'm saying this is an invitation. I'm not saying this just to say this. I'm the only Arel Moody in the world. If you put in, if you look in the show notes, you see how my name is spelled: A R E L. M-O-O-D-I-E. I'm the only one that exists. So if you go into Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn, connect with me. Ask me any question. I will res- I respond to every single message I get. So if I can help you in any way, reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram. I'm the only Rel Moody. So easy to find me. And literally, I care to help. So reach out and use it. I can't help you if you don't reach out, people. So reach out. Don't be shy. This guy's a good dude. Hey, well, uh, I can I can speak from experience, and uh, again, like we talked about, having known him for nearly a decade now, a genuinely really really good dude who has a big heart for helping people. So uh, take him up on the offer and uh, stalk him. So, all right, buddy, appreciate the time. Grant, keep changing lives, you sexy bald headed man. Here we go. Beep. We're gonna just add it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Speaker Aurel Moody. Good stuff there. Hey, I want to remind you, we do have uh, still a couple seats remaining for the Speaker Lab Live, which is coming up on May 21st. It's going to be a full day here in Nashville of masterminding. Masterminding? Is that a word? I don't know. We're going to make it a word. Uh, so if you're looking for more information on that, you can go to thespeakerlab.com slash live. Again, that's thespeakerlab.com slash live. It's going to be a full day of masterminding, hanging out with other speakers, connecting, getting your questions answered, working on your business. So there's so much where we spend time working we're working like in our business and I'm just working on the nitty gritty and stuff. But today we're going to be taking the time to work on the business from a big picture. So it's going to be a lot of fun again, May 21st, right here in Nashville. It's going to be limited to just 30 people. So we're going to keep it small, keep it intimate, want you to be there. So again, you can get all the details over at thespeakerlab.com slash live. All right, that wraps up today's episode, boys and girls. We will catch you next time. You're awesome.